0: The Gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel beginning in the 21st chapter at the 23rd verse. It is written, Then Jesus was back in the temple teaching, and the high priests and leaders of the people came up and demanded, show us your credentials. Who authorized you to teach here? Jesus responded, first let me ask you a question. You answer my question, and I'll answer yours. About the baptism of John, who authorized it, heaven or humans? And they were on the spot, and they knew it. They pulled back into a huddle and whispered, If we say heaven, he'll ask us why we didn't believe him. If we say humans, we're up against it with the people because they all hold up John as a prophet. So they decided to concede that round to Jesus. We don't know, they answered. Jesus said, then neither will I answer your question. Tell me what you think of this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. And the son answered, I don't want to. And later on he thought better of it and went. And the father gave the same command to the second son. He answered, sure, glad to. But he never went. Which of the two sons did what the father asked? They said the first. Jesus said, yes, and I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. John came to you showing the right road. You turned up your noses at him, but the crooks and whores, they believed him. And even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Well Lord, we come today to hear the word. We come to do the word. We come to experience comfort. We come to experience challenge. We come to find the cost. And we come to find joy. We come to find humanity, community, church. We come to find you. So open our hearts, our our ears, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. So what do you think? If you have two sons and you tell one of them to do a job and his answer is no, and then afterwards he does it, and you tell the second one to do the same job and his answer is, sure, I'll go, and he doesn't do it, which one is doing what you told him and following your will? Now that is the story that Jesus told the crowd, and that's the question he posed to the religious leaders of the day. And the crowd answered Jesus by saying that the son who said no and then changed his mind and did the work was better than the other son. And Jesus said, that's right. And he went on to say that the tax collectors and the harlots of the day would go into the kingdom of God before the Jewish religious leaders to whom he was then speaking. Now, I think the story was told for a special reason. Jesus was saying that the Jewish leaders were like the son who said yes, that he would obey, and then he didn't do it. And Jesus is saying that the tax collectors and harlots are like the son who said no, changed his mind, and finally ended up obeying. In our story, it goes like this. Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the harlots will go into the kingdom of God before you. And I don't know about you, but I don't really care too much for the choice. Because neither son would bring a smile of joy to me as a father. Now that may be the key to truly understanding this story. Jesus is not really praising either one. Rather, he holds out two kinds of imperfect people of whom one is really no better than the other. Neither son would really have been a joy to his father. Both were imperfect people, but one certainly pleased his father more than the other. And I don't know about you, but I wish there was one more son in this story. I would have liked a son who listened to the request, agreed to do it, and did it at once with enthusiasm. It really does happen sometimes. (laughs) But I really think that there are some important teachings for us in this story. Because the parable details two kinds of people. The one kind is those whose words are a lot better than their deeds, and the second is those whose deeds are a lot better than their words. And both, you see, have an effect on a community of believers. The first can be devastating. They say with their mouths what they believe, but their lives do not reflect it. And a whole generation of young people can be turned off by our inconsistency, by our religious talk about being faithful to Jesus, but living by the world's priorities. We are often flushed out as being this type of phony Christian when we practice stewardship. You see, we say that Christ is the most important thing in our lives. We say that the work of the kingdom is very important. We pledge allegiance to Jesus. But when it comes right down to it, we act out a whole different set of priorities. Everything else comes first. Our own comforts and conveniences come way ahead of the family of God. We just don't ring true. The words and the promises we make about Christ and his church don't speak nearly as loudly as our actions, which often say quite the opposite. We are often just like the man who says, yes, I'll do it, and then just doesn't. At confirmation, when we promise, yes, I'll be responsible for my baptism, when we are married at the altar and make those solemn vows, when we accept positions of authority in the church, When we are received into the congregation, when we accept responsibilities on committees and the many other times we make promises before God and each other, we are often just like the young man who says yes, but just doesn't show up to do the work. And these people can be devastating to the life of the church. Every congregation has a host of these no-show volunteers. They don't just let down the group of people they call their congregation, but they also let themselves down. We all know if the things we do match the things we say. We know if we are phony or sincere in our practice of the Christian faith. Even if we try and keep it a secret from everyone else and no one guesses, we know And we are going to think much better about ourselves and really become better people if we practice what we preach and we know it. Now let's look at the other son. He says no. And then scripture says he repented and went. And while this is a far from perfect response, it's better, isn't it? You see, this son's story is also often our story. We claim to be hard-boiled, hard-hearted, but secretly, we often have our hearts touched. We hope for more to life than this. Who among us has not been like the son who said no? But Jesus goes on. He repented. What an awesome God we serve. We can change our minds. We can try again. We can have a change of heart. Now, we may have said no to the appeal for good stewardship, for the appeal to do some committee work in the church, the appeal to tithe, to pledge, to witness, to worship, to serve. How many times our answer, too, has been no. But our heavenly parent allows us to remain sons and daughters and continues to love us, and we can always repent and decide to do it. You know, during World War II, the brave people of the Dutch underground had a motto. It was this, do it well and do it now. I think that's also a good motto for us as Christians. Christian happiness lies not only in knowing what Jesus would want us to do, but actually going ahead and doing it. Now this son faced his conscience. He laid his pride aside and he did that which he had vowed not to do. And I think it's really a good example to us because he wasn't concerned about losing face among his peers. Even though he had answered one way, he was willing to swallow his pride and do the other that deep down in his heart he realized was right. So today perhaps we too ought to consider or reconsider a request to serve God. Maybe you've said some no's that really ought to have been yes's. Maybe it's time to consider changing our mind and thinking about what would make God happy with us. The true friends of Jesus are active. He did not save us to have us sit down. So let's remember this. The real point of the story is not that either son is anything like perfect. The really good Christian is the one whose actions and words match and ring true. William Barclay says in his commentary, and I quote, On the other hand, this parable teaches us that a man can easily spoil a good thing by the way in which he does it. End quote. And that's true, isn't it? That we can do some things very well, but ruin them in the way that we do them. There are so many examples of this in the church We can serve on a committee or work in the church or give what we have, but do it all in a real begrudging way. We have to be coaxed. Everyone who truly works with us must be careful not to hurt our feelings. We must be thanked over and over and over again. It is easy to do the right thing, but in a way that makes it unattractive to those around us. And we learn in this parable, this riddle, that the Christian way is not only in performance and in promise, but it's also in doing and responding in a gracious and loving and joyful manner. So what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he went to the second and said the same, and that son answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Amen.